Hey guys, you're listening to Musings with Townsend and Preacher Man, the podcast where life issues and the Bible collide. We hope you enjoy today's topic and are encouraged to do some musing yourself. Thanks for listening. Welcome to an absolutely special opportunity for us to muse together with you. This is, if you're here by accident, Musings with Townsend and Preacher Man. I'm Preacher Man. She's I'm Townsend. Townsend. Yes, yes. And Hi. today, believe it or not, I, I am certain that you know. If you're listening to this the very first day that, that it's out there, it is actually Christmas Day. Merry Christmas, And y'all. so, yes, Merry Christmas to you, I hope. As strange a year as we have survived and as a strange a situation we still find ourselves in, that however you have been afforded the ability to celebrate and recognize Christmas for all of you who choose to do that, I hope that you are able to see joy in the middle of it regardless of all the stuff that's been going on because it's constant stuff nowadays. I know that's always how it seems, but guys, we don't want to muse or think about anything other than Christmas today. And so we appreciate you stopping in to listen, especially for those of you who might be literally clicking to hear this on your Christmas holiday. Yes. What is wrong? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I was going to say what is wrong with you. (laughs) What I really want to say is make sure all your family knows to like, comment, and subscribe. No, I don't want to say that either. I just want to say thank you. You guys mean a great deal to us. We were just talking about all of you before I clicked record because... Knowing that you're out there, knowing that you're a part of, or you are the reason why we do this, it is a, it is a joy to be able to do it. And it's Christmas, and on my little note sheet, all I have is written down, what does Christmas mean? And I know the preachery version of the answer of that, and I know if you go to church, your pastor is going to have said some version of what I probably would want to say to answer that question, but that's not that's not all. You know, Christmas means a whole lot to a whole bunch of people, and Sometimes it's just beautiful to hear the stories about what matters. And I asked Townsend last week, I said, are you willing to do that just to share? And she said, yes. So I want her to, I want to be able to, because God knows and Townsend knows because she has to call me her preacher, not just her podcast partner. She knows that this year has been a journey for me and it still is. And so a lot of Christmas has changed uh, in my family's life and that's not necessarily bad. But it made me think about what Christmas means to me from all the way back in my childhood. And so I know this was kind of a silly question to ask you because, you know, we live in the South and we live in the Bible region of the country and all that. But what does Christmas mean in the Townsend house? So growing up, Christmas was always a special time. And and my mother has three brothers and sisters. Mm -hmm. And so there's four of them. And then my father has also two younger brothers and a sister, and it was him. So both sides of the family were rather large. Right, I, I was mean, say, considering if all that gets under one roof, I'm having a panic attack. Well, and so we always had to kind of keep it separate because it was so many families involved in each side. So we had one for the Townsend side and one for my mom's side. Right. And so... um 
we always the gathering yeah. was always the tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, it it never growing up. I hear stories of people who dread Christmases and who talk about dreading the the Christmas season and dreading the going and doing. Yeah. And for us, that was always the most special part of it to see all the cousins and to spend the family time together. And so, but what I'm fixing to hit on is. Um, a topic that I didn't, I really have not come to a full piece about what I'm going to say or how I'm going to say it, but the whole idea of the Santa mm-hmm. side of things and the elves on the shelves, which weren't existent <laughs> back in my yeah, day. I, don't, I, I didn't have to deal with that. No. Um, <laughs> not not in my childhood or in my raising of children. I, he didn't exist. Well, maybe, I don't know. Well, how old is that? I, don't, I, I don't have know. no idea. <clears throat> maybe it needs to die. But, I don't know. you know, I don't. I can never remember a time in my household ever mm-hmm. in my entire life to where Santa became such a thing that we dwelled on that. Right, right. Like I can never remember my parents stressing or really expressing a huge concern about Santa and Santa gifts. Mm-hmm. And so my life has never revolved around what items would be I would be getting from Santa. Uh-huh. You know, and so that that is something that as an adult christmas has become less and less and less meaningful to a lot of people and for me i feel like we've put the wow factor into material things and we've taken away from the time together and the ultimate focus of the birth of jesus christ yeah and that that's difficult because you feel like you are shorting someone yes in a world where that's so much a focus and i and i can respect that and i i don't you know, I raised three children, and I'm well. I'm. I guess I'm learning that you will always raise them, but it, there comes a time where they they go on their own. Um, but you know, we had Santa Claus when they were all little, except that when we moved to this side of the state, our children attended a private Christian school. Well, he doesn't. Santa Claus don't have a home there, and so in kindergarten, my our our youngest twins we're told in kindergarten, you know, that's not real. And so I had literally just kind of walked through that process with their older brother. And so I was like, you, you're right, but let me show you something about why there's still something not, you know, and I, I kind of used, if you've ever heard of that, well, I know you have the angel tree. Yes. And so I showed them how the, the spirit of that idea is that you gave something even when you were getting nothing in return. Absolutely. And how we were going to be that for other people that we don't even know. And yes. I kind of tried to use that to soften because it's hurting. It hurts to have all that build up. And then one day you learn we were lying with the greatest of intentions, but we were lying that whole time. Yes. And, and I, you know, I understand some folks, I have in-laws that will literally climb on the roof and jingle sleigh bells and the whole and i'm thinking what in the what if you slip and fall you know i'm thinking yes. all kind of things but i mean they'll go all out and it's so the magic of it and all that i respect that but i agree to you that and you know i'm a huge fan of charlie brown christmas it's like charlie brown says right at the very beginning the commercialization of christmas yes absolutely and as old as that cartoon is and you think did that get any better or worse since then absolutely so sure sure it's it's difficult and it's it's so hard you know i am fairly new at this cuz my child just turned 3 and so really me 
fully understanding how I'm going to handle this because I mean, and I, I'm about to say something that is going to offend so many people. <laughs> It is going to, and I'm so sorry, and I do not think that every person has the same convictions, so I'm not telling you you need to feel like I feel. I'm just going to tell you how I feel. Right. I despise Elf on the Shelf. Yeah. <laughs> I despise it. I can't I, figure out if that's for the kids or the parents. Well, I would use him as target practice if he was given <laughs> to us. What? How does it work? The way they keep the kids from messing with it is... They're not allowed to touch it, if I think. The magic goes away if I you guess. touch it or something? Okay. But, you know, at the same time, um, and so now I'm going to tread on an area that I do want you to feel like I feel. Now, Elf on the Shelf can be such a fun event for yeah. you and your child. Um, but I do beg you, parents, the meaning of Christmas, so oftentimes in the eyes of children, Christmas gifts, Christmas mm-hmm. presents. It's, it's immediate reaction. And so... I feel like my brother and I were extremely spoiled throughout the year because we both played ball and we both rode horses. And so we got so much, so many big items throughout the year. Sure. I mean, a new bat that was like the legit Mm -hmm. best of the best Mm -hmm. is a $250 bat. Wow. You know, a $150 bat. Um, Items for your horses from saddle pad to blankets to bits to this kind of stuff. I mean, a blanket for a horse is $200. So, I mean... There was never a time where we really had the idea that I guess where my where my concern lies in the Christmas story and, and involving Santa and elves and things of that sort is that every kid isn't given the same opportunities with the Santas. Sure. Because if, you know, if Santa was only able to bring a jacket for one and a golf cart for the other, I'm not mm-hmm. sure how they compare those notes with one another at school and how it would even out. I I I, I have seen that being shared a lot on social platforms lately about this idea of <clears throat> you know don't don't build up Santa. It's weird because on one hand I'm like, well you're robbing from one for on the benefit of the other, but at the same time I see the reasoning. Yeah. And then I wonder how many of us as parents now I remember when they quote unquote turned the internet on yes. for the public. Okay. I I was in the seventh grade. I remember it. Absolutely. I remember commercials on television about it. You don't. Okay. The internet existed. It always was there. Right. Then you are old enough, quote, I'm using air quotes that no one can see, to you probably remember when not everybody carried a smartphone in their pocket. Yes, absolutely. Well, but your daughter will never know never. that. Never. So I wonder sometimes with all of this talk, do we realize how easy it is for a child to just Google the question? Yes. Right? I, you know, we don't, I grew up, okay, so here's how I learned that the fat red man wasn't real. My second grade teacher made some comment about... Well, it's like Santa Claus. It's make-believe, but people keep talking about it. And I, she said that, and I'm in the middle of the class, of course. Like Things are collapsing in in my brain. I'm like, what? Are you <laughs> kidding? I'm eight years old. Ms. Preacher Man is sitting in the same class. My reaction is, I cannot believe this. He's not real. My wife's reaction is, this teacher is so stupid, she doesn't realize that Santa Claus is real. So... <laughs> You know, and so I, I, I quit. I, I I went home and I'm like, hey, that's not real, is it? And my mom wanted to know why I knew that, blah, blah, blah. But we don't have those tales right now, I guess, of finding it out in some... Because you can literally take the telephone that you gave them for their Christmas gift when they were six. That's a different topic. But 
and they can Google, is Santa real? And done. The mystery is gone. Yes. And I wonder sometimes, aside from the commercial part of it, you know, Santa Claus in the way most of us around here imagine him is literally a Coca-Cola invention. Yes. You know, his, his look, his behavior, it's all from Coca-Cola. But th- I wonder if that doesn't literally just kind of, in a way, fade out because of our ease of access to all of this information, yes. right? Because I could see that Father Christmas and Saint Nicholas and this whole sort of European, I think, German tradition of but this. But you know, I don't know how many people know the story of Saint Nicholas. Well, r- because he got replaced by Coke. Coke, yes, exactly. <laughs> and, and that's so. That's I wonder, like Saint Nicholas, that especially in America now, that is gone. It's very rare to to have somebody be talking about this guy who. Gave to the less fortunate on it. Yes. Because he's been replaced by the Coke man. Well, I wonder now, because of all the access we have to information, does that kind of go away? Yeah, I wonder that too. And in the midst of all of that, and I hate to be grabbing at low-hanging fruit, but the actual reason we're doing any of this Christmas celebration has long since quit being celebrated on some grand level. And I feel bad because I recognize it in my own life. That Jesus and his birth becomes a footnote to the holiday. Yes, I've tried so hard um, with my child to, you know, I knew Away in a Manger by the time I was six or seven. I could sing the entire song and Mm -hmm. I did a solo in our Christmas program. And I will say, my parents have always tried to make sure that we always knew the story of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Always. Mm -hmm. But it was never something that on a daily basis we talked about the birth of Christ and the things that that meant and the angels coming and the things that, you know, the things that are really important and huge events. Right. And And I'll add true. Very true. Versus this other thing that we put so much effort into. Absolutely. Okay, keep going. And so you think about how much we could instill so much magic and wonder and and the things that we could instill into our children's our children's imagination mm-hmm. through the actual story of Jesus Christ and yes. how amazing it was that an angel actually appeared Amen. to humans. Yeah. You know, and so those are things that I've tried so hard to teach my three year old. We have a book um about the birth of Christ, the nativity scene, and it has um parts of the book you can feel, you know, yeah, yeah, the, I remember those. the animals are fuzzy and then yeah. the manger is is kinda prickly yeah. and then the things, you know, she can feel and we have a Fisher Price manger scene yeah. where when you put the angel down, you press the button, it sings away in a manger. Yeah. And so we've tried to really just start doing that. And so now she herself will start repeating, not always accurately, but she goes for <laughs> it, you know, start repeating some of that to our family members. And so she has gotten excited about Jesus's birthday. Yeah. And it. It just brings tears to my eyes because I remember, you know, I don't know if you guys remember, but a childlike innocence and a childlike Mm. faith is what God tells us to have. And the reason that my child is so excited about Jesus's birthday is because all I had to do was remind her about it and tell her about it and introduce her to it. And then we as adults, we've lost that. Well, and that's, that's, that's one of the things that I, when I think about Christmas is how much simpler the holiday is when you're small. Yeah. Because you're not carrying all of the worry of, did I make the biscuits yet? Or is the turkey going to come out? Or Lord, uh, is so-and-so actually going to show up? And I ordered something three weeks ago, but it's not here. You know, all that stress, they don't have any of it. It's all an opportunity for wonder. Yeah. For, you know, 
looking at why people decorated the front of their house. Why do we have this tree? All of these different things. And sometimes we do them and we don't even know why. Like, why do we put up a Christmas tree? Where did that tradition come from? Well, that's so rare to talk about because it's boring, I guess. It is. You know? I mean, it is boring. And I actually have a couple of notes on the Christmas tree and how, you know, like my tree, for example, you know, we do the horse thing. Yeah. And my tree is full of just Western things, mm-hmm. ornaments, things that signs, you know, whatever. And so I have to ask myself sometimes, you know, I remember where all of these ornaments came from. Mm-hmm. My mom and I have collected these over the course of the last 20 years together. Right. But then I, I look at it and I'm like, this is not really a true representation of anything we're celebrating. Yeah, sure. You know? But it's but it, the whole point is to make the tree as beautiful as it was before. Absolutely. You know? And so that, that I, I, I don't think there's anything I have. Now I will. Star I, Wars, tell me. Yeah, I do. I I have Star Wars <laughs> ornaments, and and you can push one of them, and Darth Vader will talk, or or there's a this and that. But I have somewhere a collection of ornaments that I remember, and literally just talking about it. And I know that my mother is one of our uh, avid listeners. Somewhere is a Big Bird ornament. It's prickly because it's back from I guess the 70s and 80s where they made things out of this kind of clay. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, but it. His feathers are like little points of this plastery plastic stuff, and it's covered, I guess, in enamelers. I can vividly see that ornament. And that makes me want to remind myself that it is... Do you know how many gifts of Christmas in my youth? Do you know how many I can remember? Probably very few, because I can't. It's so small a number. And I don't know the amount of stress my parents would have gone through to get just the right thing, just the most magical way, and all these different... I don't remember very much of it. I can tell you what we always ate every Christmas. I can tell you who was coming. I can tell you what our traditions were. Yes. I can tell you all of the things about togetherness. I can tell you almost nothing about the monetary aspect of Christmas. And that's why I said I think the togetherness and the being together is such a huge part of what it meant to the Townsend family. Right. Because that's what I remember the most. And I, I think, I don't know this, this is still part of me, I, I, I don't know, how, and I'm not gonna try to explain to all of you out there in listener land how Christmas has changed for me this year, just just as a thought process, thinking through the holiday. But when I think about how togetherness is what sticks out most about this holiday, I don't think it's an accident that what we were all given in Bethlehem was for the purpose of bringing us together with our creator. I totally agree with that. And so I I, want to then be more committed to those traditions, to those things that actually carry on and matter, but also be responsible with making sure every generation knows why it's being yes. done. Yes, and you know, we lost my grandmother, um, and so we it, it's always been held at her house. Mm-hmm. And so my uncle now lives there, and there was kind of some toss-up about not having it there. Mm-hmm. And as far as her children, which are my father and right. his two brothers, um, their sister has also passed away, but 
the the three boys, it was not that big of a deal to them. Mm-hmm. They weren't really thinking about it being a big deal to the grandchildren. Right. And so we all band together and had this like huge, <laughs> yes, we're like, we are not moving this. This is a devastation to us all. We are having this at Nanny's house, you know. And so they all just laughed. And of course, they were happy. Yeah. But it didn't even register with them that, hey, even the younger generation has already been penetrated by this tradition. And it it means something to them. Right. And like we said, we also want to raise our kids up going, I mean, I had my child's birthday party at my nanny's house, who mm-hmm. is my uncle's house now, just in tradition. Right. I mean, I always want her brought up knowing that's that's home. Well, that I, is home. You know, and this is something, uh, the, the further along we get in, I guess, time, Tradition for some people becomes a bad word, yeah. you know, especially in, I can say this because I am a pastor, especially in the church world, tradition, you know, if you say you're doing that because it's traditional, there's a younger generation that's like, nope, you got to throw that away because blue. Yeah. I had an old pastor who mentored me uh, very, very long ago. And he, he said something when we were finished. It was, it was, it's a seminary story, but it was a class I had to do. It was a one on one thing. I met with this man for 14 weeks about ministry. I read a book that he assigned. Anyway, when we were done, uh, he was leaving me with some encouragement. He had allowed me to to preach a sermon at his church, which was the very first sermon I ever preached in front of people in Indianola, Mississippi. But as we were finishing, he said, I want you to remember something for me. Tradition isn't always bad. And sometimes it's important to remember why something became a tradition. Yes. And that's I, that's so so important. And I I I've mentioned mom already. I love my mother so very much. It's it's now sort of my and I've taken it. I didn't ask. I just took the responsibility of when I was a kid. We always ate this very specific breakfast casserole on Christmas Day, and never again. Three hundred and sixty four days. Don't even ask. It's not getting made, and it's not even hard to make. <laughs> but you only saw that. On Christmas Day. And when I was a kid, I hated it. It's like a casserole with cream of mushroom soup and milk and eggs and bread. And but it had sausage in it. So as a kid, I'm just picking out <laughs> sausage pieces. But now, not only do I love the taste of it, I love being responsible for making it. And you only get it on Christmas Day. Yes. And guess what, my kids? They all hate it. <laughs> and so, but it's... Something about remembering that, because when I remember that breakfast, I remember my grandmother and my grandfather. I remember my uncle. It's a memory. Yes. And that's something that I I feel like we get so worse. <clears throat> Look at 2020. How many of us have ordered something online and it's probably not going to be here yeah. in time, you know, and, and you, you may have ordered it a month ago. And and Lord, the people who are hating on the po- those, who knows what those folks are having oh, to wade through. Oh, I cannot through. imagine. Some some grace for Christmas would not be a problem, but you know they're doing their absolute best getting. But there's you're gonna you're gonna have to give like a card that said or a piece of paper that says, <laughs> "Sorry, it didn't show up on time." You know what's interesting to me though is when I think about that, none of that stuff will actually matter. Compared to remembering, hey, you remember that year where we none of us got Christmas gifts because of the pandemic and the mail? And see, suddenly it's the memory that matters because it's always the memory that Absolutely, matters. Absolutely, every time I can remember a year, uh, I can another tradition for Christmas, and I I'm an only child, 
every day, the day after Thanksgiving, or every year rather, the day after Thanksgiving, my mother and I were going to be gone from the house literally all day long. We were going to have left probably at nine o'clock in the morning. We weren't getting back till four o'clock, five o'clock in the evening. We were Christmas tree hunting. I grew up in Memphis, Tennessee, lots of Christmas tree stands in that air, in that city, and we were going to just about every one <laughs> looking for the absolute perfect tree. I remember one year, we were, you know, that my dad would joke, we were the tree shopping experts or whatever. I remember one year we had gone to all these different places. We finally came and said, this must be the one. And what we didn't know is that there was about a 40-degree crook in the trunk of this Christmas tree. But when the man was holding it up to display it, maybe because he knew that, he was holding it level, but the base wasn't sitting down. <laughs> so we bought, or we, they, my mom bought, I'm going to guess an eight-foot Christmas tree <laughs> that that year ended up being about three feet tall. Oh, my Because word. my dad had to cut it where it was straight. <laughs> and so he's cutting like five feet off this tree. That is known as the Charlie Brown Christmas year. Because, you know, the little tiny tree in Charlie. The memory. I don't remember what I got for Christmas. <laughs> I have no clue what I got that year. And, and I'd, I'd, I'd wager to say that if my parents were being guests on this podcast right now, they would know what they gave me. Absolutely. They would know what they got one another. They wouldn't know what, they don't know any of that. But if you say Charlie Brown Christmas tree at my house, I know that there are three of us, we're all thinking the same thing. Absolutely. That's... That's some of the trappings. And notice, you don't have to say the name Jesus, yes. but Jesus is in that. Absolutely. You One know? year, my parents had given my brother and I a four-wheeler for mm-hmm. Christmas um, from them together, and the key was hidden in the tree. Yeah. So when we got the tree, we o- got the gift out of the tree, we opened it, we see that it's a key. And so they tell us, then we have to find it. And so we all get dressed, we all bundle up and go outside, and my dad, my mom, me and my brother trek around, and of course, we're horse people too, so you have to remember, there's sheds, there's a barn, there's there's, lots of hiding spots. They had a hundred acres, and then of course, my aunt and uncle lived up the hill, so there's like a bazillion places this thing could be. By the time we finally found it, we were so tired of walking, but yet we could not wait to get on the four-wheeler. And now when we talk about the four-wheeler, we never remember actually ever. I mean, I don't even know for sure if we rode it, but I'll never forget that hunt with my mom and dad and all of us. And of course, it was pitch black outside. So my brother and I were really young. We're like, what if something's out here? You know, I'll never forget the actual hunt part of it and finding it. Right. And that's the memory. I mean, I remember the gift only because of how my parents... Made that such a well, fun thing for us the to do. Four wheeler long ago quit being a thing. Absolutely, right? It's, it, it's it, I don't know. It's probably in a dump. You oh, know, somewhere. I don't know even. But you still. Yeah, that's what lasts. That's yes, what matters. Okay, absolutely. so here, this this is the most. And anybody ever asks you, hey, what's preacher man's most? He ponders over Christmas passage in the Bible. I'm going to give it to you. It's Luke two nineteen. So she's given birth. She and Joseph are just hanging. They're in the stall, as it were, and Gabriel is appearing before a bunch of shepherds on a hillside, and he tells them that they've been given something. And so, like all of us getting a gift, they hurry off. You know, they're not hunting a four-wheeler, but they're hunting what they were just told they've been given, and when they find it exactly like it was described, they can't not tell these new parents what they just witnessed. And in Luke 
2.19, it says, But Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. First off, I always wonder, what's that really mean? But secondly, if you don't know, Luke is very, all of them are, all four gospel authors are very unique. But Luke is unique because he tells you from the very beginning in Luke chapter 1 that his whole purpose in writing this book is to have collected all of the information possible, like a news reporter, to get every detail he could possibly find, which means he was going to try to find, he was trying to talk to the people who were actually involved. Yes. So he's talking to Mary when he's taking note of this situation. So I always look at that verse and figure that she told him this, that she said, you know, they said all this stuff and they were just going on and I just... I've never stopped thinking about what what was she pondering? Was she pondering the magnitude of what she was a part of? Was she pondering the weight of glory that, that she was entrusted to raise with Joseph? I mean, what was she pondering? And I think I might not be pondering that weight enough myself. You know, I might not be thinking Amen. enough because I am super distracted about what does this one actually you talked about getting stuff all year long it is super hard to buy a gift for someone like that yeah <laughs> i have some of those in my life not because i don't i don't think it's like spoiled uh, well no cuz they're adults but they have lived responsibly and they have monetary blessing they can purchase the things that they would like to have so what do you do what do you give them you know you got to hunt down the one thing they wouldn't actually get for themselves you know yes and I think about how much I try to think about the right gift for that person or the right setting for this or the right, right. And then I'm missing out on pondering exactly what I've been given on meditating. I know some of us might not like that word, but literally just letting God open my heart eyes, I guess I'd say it. You well, know, you do know, you see it? It's so, I said that, you know, my parents have always provided us with things that we needed for the things that we went to do. And yeah. I feel like my brother and I were. Really, you know, some people say, well, when you have kids, you'll want to give them better than you had. And I said, well, my kid must be going to get gypped because <laughs> I had it great and I just hope to be half of what sure. my parents yeah. were for me. Yeah. But in that same sentence, I can say this, that, you know, I'm so thankful. I think that there were so many times um, that neither, and this is an emotional time for me to say this because I only have my mom's parents left, mm -hmm. but my dad lost his dad when he was 20. Yeah. And so I never met him. And then, um, my papa came into the picture. And so my nanny worked two and three jobs. Yeah. Um, she ran a restaurant and she just busted it to try to give her kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, my dad was the oldest and the others were way younger than him. And so he also had to work and help. And then um, my mom's dad logged. And so they never had just a lot of extra money. So mm -hmm. there was a ton of things that I think that my parents did try to step up and give my brother and I better than they had. Right. But then on the flip side of that, um, my brother and I have, have grown to have such an appreciation mm -hmm. for that because we've seen what my grandparents have come from mm -hmm. and what they've sacrificed. And so... You know, with me, I try so hard just to to provide my child with things, but for her to not ever think that the Christmas time is about the gift itself. Right. And so like you were just saying about the memory, each thing that we've 
we've done for her this year has been an item that we also will enjoy with her. Mm -hmm. And that will be from us. And so anything that we give her, I guess you could call it a Santa related gift is going to be very small and minimal. Yeah. And so that's how I hope to continue. And I don't, I don't really have all the answers for that, but I do know that that there are just some kids that she does come in contact with whose parents cannot afford right. to give yeah. some ungodly amount of money for an item mm-hmm. that is sought after. And so I encourage you guys out there. Um, I've pulled up a few Bible verses about togetherness, but um, there's just so much that the humbleness about being, you know, the Bible talks about that when we come together and, and you let love be the main ingredient in your relationship, it covers a multitude of sins. And so that brings me to the next thing about Christmas that some people just dread, but I want to encourage you to look past. So family is an area where there's a lot of different opinions, Mm -hmm. a lot of different Um, choices in life Mm -hmm. and when you all come together some things you may not agree with every single thing that every single member of your family does or does not do sure um i know you'll oh so and so over there she'll come in wearing this or she'll say that or they won't even be on time or this or this will happen and so i just the the main aspect of christmas that i am just so sitting in this chair and listening to preacher man talk Love has been the most cherished memory for me when I look back on both sides of the family. Even my grandparents from my mom's side, every other year would come to my dad's Mm. Christmas. (laughs) And so it was because they loved my dad's family and my dad's family loved them. And so let love be the most important thing that you bring to the table because then any differences you have with the people that you're sitting with will go to the wayside. It is the greatest unifier, love. Yes. It puts everything back together. And I know it doesn't do it magically, and and sometimes there are situations where it doesn't do it even beautifully. But um, I, I said this yesterday, if you just learn to love them anyway, because that's what Jesus was saying to you when he came here in the first place. I love you anyway. Because I didn't deserve his arrival. You didn't deserve his arrival. I couldn't have earned it in the first place. And we, none of us all together added up couldn't. And he says, in the manger, all the way to the cross, the empty tomb, all of that keeps saying, I love you anyway. And that's the greatest gift of Christmas. And you know what? I I put in my head, it's Christmas Day Keep try to stop talking at 30 minutes, and we've been talking for 33 and a half. <laughs> so I'm going to try to keep my word on that and, and draw it to a close. With that, Townsend has done it the best. Love is what matters, because when somebody asks you what is the real meaning of Christmas, that's, that's, that's a pretty good starting answer. Yes. Love is the real meaning of Christmas. Well, what is that? What do you mean? Well, that's what he came for and to then, begin with. Right. And then the door is open for yep. me to tell them not only who he is and what he's done for me, but why he came and why he came for them too. And and then how that's expressed in my family and expressed in these memories. I, I really wish that there was some way. And now, and now it's Christmas, maybe even after by the time you hear this. And so some of that stress and some of that worry is over. I wish I could take it from you. I wish, I wish that we could all just one day realize that all of the struggle for trappings and 
I mean, it literally, <laughs> Charlie Brown came out in 1965. We're no better about commercialization. Absolutely. We're way worse. And somewhere right around there, the Grinch who stole Christmas came out. And, oh. you know, it's the narrator who says right at the end, maybe Christmas, you know, it doesn't come in packages and bows and all this. Maybe Christmas was something else, something more. And it's when the Grinch realizes that, that the condition of his heart changes. Yep. You know, it grew three sizes larger or whatever. That That is Christmas also, all hidden away in these little cartoons. My heart condition changes when I receive what Christmas is. And so don't fret, don't struggle, don't worry, whether it's over with for this year, whether it's you got things planned for later after you've been with us, but don't fret about it. Love, receive it, give it, then suddenly you're learning what it means to have a Merry Christmas. Absolutely. Which is exactly what we want you guys to have or have had, I hope, whether you're basking in the glow of a Merry Christmas or you're still on your way to one, I just want you to know that whether you know who we are or not in person, in your personal life, there are two people on this planet who love you, who appreciate you, and we're so thankful for you. Guys, we want you to know you matter to us. Merry Christmas to you all. Merry Christmas, y'all. We will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Musings with Townsend and Preacher Man is a podcast dedicated to encouraging you as you think and start your own discussions at home about God and the Christian worldview. If you like what you've heard, please consider giving us a five-star rating on the platform of your choice and share our podcast with folks you know. If you need to get in touch with Townsend or Preacher Man, you can email either of them at mtpm.podcast at gmail.com.